Now, it's hard to believe that it's been well over a year now since COVID-19 shifted the way that, that groups gather. And willingly or out of necessity, that, that's changed just so much about our lives. And certainly its, its impact is still ongoing. As many churches across the world made the shift to online-only gatherings, we as followers of Jesus found ourselves positioned in a way that was just so new to all of us. Seemingly out of nowhere, we and believers all around the world, we were maybe for the first time separated, right? Watching church in the distractions of our living room, worshiping in bed in our pajamas on our phones and our tablets, maybe even tuning in later in the day since now, hey, church is on demand, I can do it whenever I want. And most heartbreaking of all, there are some people who, who lost the desire to worship altogether. Because of the pandemic and, and how people experienced faith through it, there are some people who will never come back to following Jesus. And although we've been meeting in person in some form or another for many, many months, as have other churches, the effects that the pandemic has had on our faith, it, it does linger on. It's actually what I like to call the, the lingering misbeliefs of the pandemic. Lingering misbeliefs of the pandemic. Now, I'm very grateful. I'm so grateful for the technology that allowed uh, churches to gather at least online for a large part of 2020. And I think that uh, through that, God revealed to us a lot of positive things. We were all kind of operating the fog for a while. We were all kind of trying to figure out what life looks like in a pandemic. We were caught off guard. You know, but God wasn't. And however, there are still some misbeliefs that this, this pandemic has cemented into the head of, of many Christians. Uh, misbeliefs such as worshiping from home is the same as worshiping with other Christians. I've heard many people say that. It's just, it's the same thing. But it's not. We can convince ourselves of it, but, but it's not. And, and we'll touch base on this in a little bit. Uh, I've also heard this. Well, it's safer to worship from my home. It's just, it's, it's too risky. It's safer to worship from my home. And, and I want to make sure, like, I'm very, very sensitive to this because I know there are a handful of people at every church who absolutely must protect their physical health or even just the, the health of someone they live with or care for. And so to this day, some people, it is safer for them to stay at home. But let's be honest, there are undeniably many more who are not at a physical risk but are sacrificing their spiritual health by not gathering with their church family or making a regular part of their weekly routine. So yeah, for some, you got to stay home. I totally get it. It's too risky, right? But for others, where's the real risk? And I want to tell you where it is. It's, it's more risky, spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking, for, for that group, it's not safer to worship from home. Now, another misbelief is it's easier for my family and me to worship online at our own convenience. It's easier for us to worship online at our own convenience. Now, I want to be clear that there were many times in my life that I just stayed in bed rather than worshiping with a church family. Uh, If you'd have known me in college, it was basically all four years, right? Just stay in bed. It was just so much more convenient just to, to worship online. It took me many years to realize that being a follower of Jesus, it was not actually about my convenience. It's about being a part of his church as we try and bring hope to a world that desperately needs it. And technology is great, right? It provides so many different ways, so many various ways for us to grow. But, but here's the deal. Our spiritual lives are capped at a certain level without the local church body. 
Without our church family, without us being regularly together, without us making this a priority, our spiritual lives, our faith is capped at a certain level. And in a couple of minutes, we'll see why. And so what I'd like to do with the hope of Easter just around the corner, a great reason to gather is, is to make this call to, today to, get, to gather together again. It's time that we all consider gathering together again. And I know you who are here, you're like, done. What, what else you got, Josh? <laughs> right? I totally get it. But, but I think that, that this message actually applies to all of us, even those of us gathered here today and certainly those of us watching online. Because some of you, you were here as soon as the doors opened several months ago, right? You're like, no problem. I know it's important. That's why I'm here. But I believe what God has to say today will we'll do a few things for you. Uh, first, if you're in this group, I think it'll show you maybe for the first time or maybe a, a reminder of why it is, why is it so important that we gather together every single week possible? And another thing I think it will do is it's going to empower you and it's going to help you in those conversations with people who need that loving, godly encouragement to get back together with their church family. Now, there's another group, probably somewhere in the middle, that I'd say they're a bit wishy-washy when it comes to church, right? This group, maybe they'd say, like, I know it's important, but I don't think it's important enough to be regularly prioritized. I think if you want to hear it, God is going to speak some truth to you today. He's going to lovingly nudge you. And for others who may have fallen victim to some of those misbeliefs we just talked about, uh, who are settling for for, for church just being viewed through a, a screen, because it's easier, right? Because it's more convenient. I think if you're open to it, today is going to be a Bible-based nudge to have you back with us together again. If you're open to it, I think God's going to say, hey, I love you enough to, to show you, to reveal to you, it's time to log out and, and to show up. It's time to come on. It's time to come back. And as followers of Jesus, we all here, we, we need you, and God has wired you to be a part of the church. But no matter what group you find yourself in, I hope you take today's message in the tone that it is genuinely meant in. And that is love. You know, someone who's critical, skeptic, pessimist, someone who doesn't know me may walk out these doors and say, oh, I I bet that was preached just because the church is hurting for finances. We're not. We're we're doing fine. Someone may say, oh, well, he just wants to stand up there and see all kinds of, of, of people worshiping here together for Easter. Well, of course not people to worship here. But if you know me and you know my heart, you know that I've never measured anything this church does by the success of nickels and noses, money or butts and seats. That's, that's not success. So I hope you take today's message as it's meant, and that is in love. And the Bible actually says that we must speak truth in love for believers to mature in their faith. And that's what today is all about. God's truth. It's communicated in the way it will be today because your church cares about you and God loves you too much to have you miss out on what he designed you to be a part of. So what I'd like to to do with our remaining time is to highlight the the biblical-based importance of, of gathering together. These are not my creative thoughts. This is God's truth about being together again. And so if you are upset, don't write me a letter Send it upstairs, right? Go to God because this is, this is his stuff. This is, this is not mine, right? So the first point that we simply cannot neglect when we talk about gathering together again is that the Bible commands it. The Bible absolutely commands it. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his, the day of Christ's return, 
is drawing near. So, so not according to Josh, but according to God, who has way more authority over the scope of your life and where you will spend eternity than I thankfully do. He says, God's work, gathering for worship, is not an optional activity. It's not an occasional activity. Gathering for worship is a regular commitment. And I promise you, no matter what church, we have people watching from different states. We have a couple people watching from different countries at times. Like, I don't care what church you belong to. It's time to get back together with them again. Because the deal is, if we want to reach our full potential, we have to follow God's commands. No church, I don't care how successful they may seem, no church will reach its God-given potential if they neglect the God-given commands. It doesn't work that way. Now, I know it's easy to read a command like Hebrews 10.25, where we are told not to neglect meeting together, as some people do. And I know it's so easy to think, oh, Josh, that, but that was written for a, a different day and age, right? You know, that doesn't apply to today. Like, God wouldn't have said that in the midst of a pandemic. Like, God wouldn't say something like that when there's risks associated. Well, the book of Hebrews is actually written to, to Christians who found themselves under the threat of persecution. Because of this pressure... Many believers were walking away from their faith. And so church attendance gathering together, it could actually open them up to risk, and in this case, even abuse or death. Yet knowing all of this, the author of Hebrews says that the benefits of meeting together far outweigh any possible threat. And that's a message that I think a lot of us need to strongly consider. Because the Bible was written for such a time as this. The need to be together again, yeah, the Bible commands it, but, but Jesus actually died for it. Jesus died for the church. Jesus made the church such a priority that he died for it. And we have to ask ourselves, do we even hold church anywhere near that kind of regard? Is it even, even close to being that important to us? Our biblical book of, of Acts, it begins right after Jesus' resurrection, and then it rolls right into the creation and the growth of this new thing called the church. And the church was God's design to carry out the heart and mission of Jesus. Jesus taught he died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and the church was started. The church was started to, to be the heartbeat of Jesus and to love and serve people into a relationship with God. And in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul, one of those early church leaders, he spent some time talking to uh, the leadership of, of one of these churches on his journeys. And here's what the apostle Paul went on to tell them. He says, so guard yourselves and God's people. That's what he tells church leadership. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. You see, make no mistake about it. The, the building we are gathered in, it, this is just the concrete. This is carpet. This is walls. This is bells and whistles. And, and although all of that is tools, Jesus didn't die for buildings, bells, and whistles. And we gathered together as a church family because Jesus died. He gave his blood for us to be able to do so. This is why the apostle Paul would also write, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Oftentimes people will refer to the church as the bride of Christ. And, and this is why, because that, that illustration, that analogy shows how much the church actually means the Jesus. It's his bride. Now I have a bride. Uh, you may have met her. Her name is Julie, right? I love her. Right? And I cannot imagine how, someone would how I'd respond if someone came up to me and said, Josh, can we talk? I'm like, let's talk. And, and if you're like, Josh, I love you. And, and I just want to do life with you. Like every week I want to do life with you. You know what? I want to do more than life with you. I want to do eternity with you. But 
And I'm like, but what? And they're like, does that bride of yours have to be a part of it? I, it's, excuse me? They're like, yeah, she's, it's kind of a hassle to make her a priority. Like, I just got other things I want to do. Like, I, I want to do life with you. I think you're great, but your bride's just kind of a, a bummer, right? Do we, do we have to invo- involve her in this? I would look at you and say, she's not a bummer. Like, she's my bride. And yes, she, she has to be around all the time. You can't say you love me without prioritizing her. You, you'd think I'm crazy if I was going to stand for that. In fact, one of the ways that you can show how much you're saying you love me, if you want to display it, make her a priority too. Right? I want to be clear about this. Like, we cannot believe that we are really loving Jesus if we are neglecting his bride, the church. It's the bride he died for, guys. Like, we may be able to convince ourselves or convince other people, right? But we cannot believe, like, we cannot trick Jesus into thinking we really love him while we're neglecting his bride that he died for. I think once we start to see things through that lens and, and see the church as Jesus created it to be and how much he sacrificed of it, we start to see the church in a whole new powerful positive light. So the need to be together again, the Bible commands that Jesus died for it. And the church is the body of Christ. We mentioned earlier that the church was God's design to carry out the heart and mission of Jesus. And that's why we are referred to now as, as his body. And we're supposed to be actively involved in one another's lives and in the world. The book of Romans tells us, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We, talking about the church, are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Uh, some of you may remember, in, in March of 1981, I was negative four, uh, President Reagan was shot by a man named John Hinckley Jr. And as a result of, of this wound, President Reagan was, was hospitalized for almost three weeks. And although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, his hospitalization actually had little to no impact on how our country functioned. Government went on, you went to your jobs, took the kids to school. Everything in our life continued on, even though the the, the top dog, per se, was was lost for three weeks. But on the other hand, suppose the garbage collectors in this country went on strike as they did in Philadelphia in 1986. Uh, It was absolutely wild. You can Google some, some more pictures if you want in your downtime. But not only was the city a literal mess, but the pile of decaying trash quickly became a health hazard. It's estimated today that a three-week nationwide strike of all garbage collectors would literally paralyze our country in unimaginable ways. And so all politics aside, who's more critical to the country? The president or garbage collectors? And and I, I think that would be a closer debate than I think most of us initially realized. In fact, we could function best if we had both. And in the body of Christ, in the church, seemingly overlooked individuals are urgently needed. You may think you don't matter, but you do. You may think no one notices, but they do, right? You may think that uh, no one misses those conversations I had in the lobby. We did, and we, we do. Like, you matter, and God has called you to belong to a church, as Paul reminds us, he says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Paul, the, the leader of the early church, he, he's saying, don't you get it? We need everyone together if this place is going to run properly. The need to to be together again. The Bible commands that Jesus died for it. The church is the body of Jesus. 
but also we need to be together again because we need to think about what it communicates to the world. We may think that that our attendance or lack thereof, it communicates nothing to the world. We may think that just watching on a screen because it's easier, well, what's that communicate? It communicates nothing. But we'd be wrong because it actually communicates a lot. The Bible says it has a big impact on what people think of you and the church. Because being connected to and involved in the church that Jesus died for, his bride, it communicates something bold. And, and what is that message? Well, First John tells us, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. Read that again. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, if we love our church family, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. I really think about that. According to John, according to the Bible, according to God's word, not my perspective, but, but God's perspective, how well we choose one another, how well you love your church family, that proves, it's one of the ways that you can prove that you've passed from death to life. How well you love your church family proves that you have moved from the realm of darkness and death to the realm of life and light. And we simply cannot love others as God has designed if we aren't placing ourselves around them. Once again, this is not man-made criteria. This is what God says, and he makes the rules, not us. Now, I couple that with what Jesus said about our love and what it communicates to the non-believing world. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then check out what he says next. Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Just as I've loved you, you should love one another because your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So how did Jesus love his disciples? Well, he served them. He encouraged them. He experienced a wide range of emotions and events with them. He, he grieved with them. He sat in sorrow alongside of them. And he did what was one of the most powerful things that he could do. He was simply with them. He was just present with them. And a criteria that Jesus gives the world for judging whether our faith is genuine or not is how well we love one another. And it is tough to want, love one another as Jesus loved his disciples if we're not willing to be with each other. Now, in closing, I know that there's been a lot of change that churches have experienced over time, especially as technology has advanced in good and bad ways altogether. But some things never change, and one of those is that God desires to dwell among his people. God desires to dwell among his people. At the beginning of time, you can go to, to the book of Genesis, the first book in our Bibles, we see that God communed with Adam and Eve in the garden. He just wanted to be with them. You journey through the Bible, keep flipping the pages, you'll see that God then resided with his people in, in what was called the tabernacle or was the, the temple at the time. And at the very end of time, when all of this, everything you and I experience, when it is on the brink of the other side of eternity, we know that God still desires to dwell with us as people. Look, Revelation says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So in our part of history, in our leg of the journey, in our chapter, where do we see God dwelling today? Well, all of us, his children, we, we carry his spirit with us. We're just like a bunch of little mini temples running around. But, but still, the church, the one that Jesus cares so deeply for, is where God reveals himself in specific, powerful, and unique ways. You see, God created the church, you and I together, to be simply irreplaceable. And our responsibility is to make sure that we don't allow the church in this season or coming out of this season to become so resistible.
And I cannot think of a better time to to make the call for all of us to gather together again uh, the next week as we celebrate Jesus conquering death, knowing that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and I and displayed so mightily when we are together. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much just for uh, the way you love us. Um, My goodness, you love us. You, you, You love those of us who are here your heart breaks and you love those who have, who have even wandered from their faith during this stretch of time. You love those who, who can't be here because of the impact it could have on their physical life or someone they love or taken care of. You love those of us who have just settled for being behind a screen. You just love because that's who you are. And as we heard your command and your thoughts on us gathering together again, we we know, although that some truth is hard to hear, we, we, we need to hear it, and, and it's coming from you, this, this source of love, the source of love that gave your son, Jesus, to die for us. So you are love, and we can take your words as such. And God, I know that you, you knew this pandemic was coming. You, you knew everything that was going to happen, but I know that a lot of us were just operating in a fog. It was tough for many of us. It still is. And I know that, that every single one of us, whether here or online, if, if, we, if we went through this all over again, we would just do things differently. But here we are, and many of us are left to, to recalibrate our faith. God, I know that, that, that Satan, the enemy, he would love for all of us to be disconnected and, and to think that just watching through a, a phone or a tablet or on our TV is the same as being a part of a local church body, but... It's not. God, anyone who has taken what is said today with a critical spirit, I I pray you soften their heart to understanding. That everything that was said today, it's it's of you and it's it's from love. God, there are many of us who maybe come to our local church, if it's this one or another one, every week, and it's maybe it's out of habit or out of routine, or we do it for just the social ability and God, I pray that we're reminded of of what this place really is. This isn't a country club. This is your church. This is your bride. This is what you shed your blood for. God, be with all of us to to have conversations with people who may not see the church as important anymore. May we be convicted and and go on to share this truth in love. Because God, one thing I know is that that's who you are, and we're better together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.